And um, so we're going to, next week, we're going to start the book of Daniel. So I was going to start that today. And I do have the sermon ready. I don't have, it's not an excuse just to do something else. I didn't have my notes. But um, the last couple weeks, and, and my wife has, has come to a conclusion about the kind of questions she wants to start asking people. Not like all the time, and, but in, in certain relationships. Because a lot of her, she has a lot of friends in Bloomington, out of Bloomington, sisters, siblings, who have had issues with marriage. And my wife just told me last week, she said, you know what I've come to realize? I no longer want to ask people if they have a good marriage or how's your marriage. Because everybody can fly by on that one. Everybody can. She said, I want to start asking people, starting with us, do you have an honest marriage? Because being honest is a whole lot more difficult than just saying, yeah, our marriage is good. And the whole idea, even what Amy was saying about, about what does it mean to be honest, not just before God, because we, oh, yeah, God already knows that, but honest before each other, that's where it gets really hard. When I was, when I was thinking about this, and I, this is my, I'll share, I was with my kids yesterday, uh, I took two of my kids biking yesterday, and it was all one of these, I had, all, had this idea of it was going to be really fun, biking around campus, going to get ice cream or whatever. And right away, they were, they were bickering. And my response to their bickering, I acted like a three-letter word that starts with A. And it wasn't ant, all right? I just I acted like a jerk. And I thought, why do I do that? But I thought... I want to be honest about that with myself and with you because I thought I, none of us want to be the kind of person we see where we are when we start doing things that we don't want to do. But we, always don't know, we don't always know where to talk about that. And some of you who are married, you know there are questions you want to ask your spouse or things you want to talk about that you don't because you're scared to death of their response. But you know it's a burning question or a burning issue you know you have to talk about. And those of you who are not married, you have friends or you have people in your family that there's, there's things you know you want to talk about. Even if, even if it's talking about stuff in your own life or maybe it's talking about the relationship and some goofy stuff you see going on. And you, want to, and you know you should, but fear keeps you back. And it's usually the fear of, well, I don't know how they're going to respond. If I tell this person, if I tell... This good friend of mine that I've been struggling with online pornography, I don't know how they're going to respond, so I'm not going to tell anybody. That's just going to be my secret. If, if I tell my husband what I really think about how he treats the kids, <laughs> he's going to get angry at me, and I don't want to go there. If I tell my mom or my dad or my son or my daughter what I really sense they need to hear from me in a life-giving kind of way, I'm not going to be ready to deal with how they respond. You see, because Psalm 139, David prays this way. He says, search me, O God, know my heart. And I'm doing this because I think there's something about that kind of part. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David's talking about, help me know where I'm not being transparent with people. 
I mean, Amy used the word authentic, and you, that, that's, it's a, that's a lot of times it's a good buzzword among Christians. Let's be authentic. But authentic, you can be authentically. I was authentic yesterday when I was a jerk with my kids. I was authentic. It was being me. But you can be authentic without being honest. So I, I want to reintroduce the word, let's be honest followers of Jesus. Honest with one another, honest with God. And, and a lot of times, you and I play this game of, but I want to look good, or I want to keep the peace, or I don't want to have that kind of tension. So I won't be honest because honesty could cost me a lot of grief and pain. Even though healing may be on the other side of honesty, it may not be worth it to me. And I can't imagine many of you right now know exactly what I'm talking about, especially if you're married. Because honesty, and again, keep in mind, here's the passage where David says, Search me, O God, know my heart. Is there anything in me, God, that you want to see in me? And is there anything in my relationships that I need to be more transparent about? Not for the sake of blurting on somebody else, but Scripture says, Confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. It doesn't say confess your sins to one another so they can be condemned. It doesn't say confess your sins to somebody else so they can go, Oh, I can't believe you do that. That's why I think what Amy was even saying, you, you share those things to, with someone you trust, but there's something about acknowledging to another human being who has the spirit of Jesus in them, who you trust, there's something about that that God knows, because he said we should do it, that he knows when you speak to another what God already sees, there's an incredible healing mechanism in God's economy that kicks into place, that will not kick into place if you choose to, to be quiet. And I know some of you think, and I used to think this about issues in my life, well, God already knows that. We think well, it's easy to be trained. Well, God knows I, like in my case, I've shared this story years ago when I was, before I was married. God knows I struggle with pornography. But I'm not going to tell anybody that because what if I told somebody that, they're going to think I'm some kind of sexually dysfunctional person, which I am, but I don't want them to know that, right? So we don't share that with others. And my healing in that area of my life clicked into place when I thought, okay, this way, keeping the secret is not working. It's not working. I'm not getting better. Matter of fact, I'm getting worse. So maybe I should try God's way, which is be honest, confess your sin to another, and let your healing begin. And that's in all kinds of areas. Some of you have all kinds of, not all kinds, many of you have an issue or two that you know Boy, if I said, if I told somebody that's really what I am like, I'm really afraid of what they would think about me. And I don't like people not thinking positively about me, especially spiritually. Well, then that, when I do that or you do that, we're no different than the Pharisees. They were obsessed with keeping their image clean before people. So... The whole idea of being honest before one another and before God was something totally foreign to the Pharisees. And that's what Jesus blasted them about. Because he knew the only way to healing was through honesty before God with others. Before God, but with others. 
when Amy and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago about the whole group time, and we were both saying, you know, we, and she was saying this, I really want to be a part of a church where honesty and kind of the spiritual safety exist so I can be honest and I know whatever comes after my honesty is going to lead me to healing. But like I said, we don't do that because we know from past experiences with other people that we thought we trusted, if we're honest and we get this volcano back, you're like, I'm not doing that again. There was a, there was a book years ago where an uh, author talked about the tunnel of chaos. Because I'm going to challenge you today. I just, I just I want to challenge myself and you to kind of go into the tunnel of chaos. Here's what it is. Usually we live our lives here in what this author called pseudo-community. It looks like everything is going well. My marriage is going okay. Friendship's okay. Relationship with mom and dad, son and daughter, okay. Pseudo, fake, because we know how to maintain the image. Over here is what this author called, and these are, all, these are principles that are reflected in the scripture, genuine community, where I'm living life with no secrets to those who I'm in relationship with. I mean, the whole world doesn't even know my secrets. But there are, my marriage is genuine. There's openness. We're honest. I was just telling somebody this week, my wife and I, I think, are learning more and more how to fight really well. <laughs> but you, you grow in honesty and openness and grace toward one another, and your relationships are full of honesty and grace and openness and mercy and forgiveness. That's genuine community. Over here is where a lot of us live in what, what I'll just call what the author calls pseudo-community. So it's like, well, that's pretty obvious. If I, I'm, I'm here and I want to get over there, why don't I just get there? And the problem, he says, which is so true, between here and there is what he called the tunnel of chaos. Because if I'm going to get there in my marriage, I may have to step in and say to my wife, can we talk about something? And whether or not she responds, if she responds in a way that does... I think I might go back. This was better over here. I think I'll just stay right here. Because if I say, can we talk, or my wife says to me, can we talk about something? Any of you, if you have a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, mom, or dad, if they've ever started a sentence with, can we talk about something? You usually don't get all excited and joyful. You get apprehensive and tense. And that's the feeling you get when you enter the tunnel of chaos. And so it's like, well, because you, you don't know how it's going to end. Now, Scripture says from Psalm 139 and other places that that honesty before God and others will eventually lead you to the kind of righteousness, which is a relational term, right relationship with others in a way that's healthy and life-giving and honest. Now, what, what, what is totally unique about the Christian religion is we believe as you go into that tunnel of chaos relationally, you do not go in only with that person alone. The Holy Spirit is in there with you. Because the fear is, okay, if I bring up, well, I mean, years ago, we were, I were having a debate about whether to have another child, which we did. It was our fourth child. But I, I, I had this fear of, well, if I bring it up, she may not want to talk about it. And it might kind of sour the evening or the whole weekend or the whole week. So I'll just not bring it up. Even though I feel like it was something I wanted to bring up. I mean, eventually we, we had those conversations. But every one of us knows what it's like to kind of think, I, I, I need to 
talk with that person, but I'm scared to death because I, I can't control the outcome. And right now, pseudo-community, I can't control. I, I'm in somewhat in control, and it's, not what I, it's really not what I want in life, but it's working. So do I really want to sacrifice what's working, even though we've all acknowledged not working very well, but it's working. I find enough happiness here and there that I'm okay. It's working. Do I want to sacrifice that for the unknown of the tunnel of chaos? Because if I enter that issue with my husband or wife or mom or dad or son or daughter or boss or coworker or neighbor, if I enter into that issue, it may cause conflict and strife and tension, and the tunnel of chaos may last for weeks or months. I mean, if I knew the tunnel of chaos would last five minutes or less, I'd be there all the time. I'd have, I'd have something to say to every one of you people. Hey, can we talk about something? Use something, you know, we, we would, wouldn't we? If we knew it would only last five minutes, and if we knew it would automatically result in, oh, now we're good, we're, you know, we're healthy, we're whole, we forgive us, grace, we'd all do it. But what we don't know is, we don't know is, how long is that going to take if I go in there? Because I'd really, i got like five minutes, so, because we're afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid of the feelings of rejection. We're afraid of the feelings of condemnation. We're afraid of all kinds of things that all have to do with the fear of man, the fear of others that drives why we do or don't do things that would lead us to our health and our wholeness. One of the things I was going to talk about today from Daniel, and we'll talk more about it next week, was the whole idea of the word holiness. And what does it mean to be holy or righteous? And those are kind of like religious terms that we kind of lose track of. But really, holiness... The way I'll define it simply is what I've used before. It's being alive, awake, and free under the very kind, loving rulership of Jesus. That's what holiness is. Righteousness, we often think, well, he's a righteous person. Well, righteousness is a relational term. If I am a righteous person, then I'm living, living in right relationship with those in my relationship world. My wife, my kids, my parents. My enemies, people who speak badly about me, how do I live in righteousness toward them and grace and mercy? So every one of us, in that sense, every one of us hungers for deeply, I think, a holy and a righteous life. Not in the religious sense. None of us want to be holy and righteous. But we all want to be holy and we want to be alive, awake, and free. We want our relationships to be whole, right, forgiving, honest, confessing, all those things that every one of us knows we long for in relationships. But the challenge is, do you have, do I have the courage and the honesty to go there with myself, with another, before God? And I will not have healing. I will not be the man I want to be. You will not be the woman you want to be unless you're willing to go there in honesty, in grace, knowing that you're going to make a mistake, you're going to trip and fall. The tunnel of chaos is a dark place. You don't always see where you're going, but the Holy Spirit is with you there. The psalm we read to start with, the Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. Now, granted, in the middle of a fight with your spouse, you're not going to stop and say, oh, by the way, the Lord of heaven's armies is here among us, but he is. And if you do say that, you might get... You know, might get punched by the other or something. But he is. He is in the midst of those things. And 
if here you are today and there you want to be, which I'm guessing you're only at church because you want to be this kind of person, and you're asking yourself, I think I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do. I've been going to church. I, I give money. I do this. I do this. But it still doesn't seem to be working for me. That has to be all encompassed with the good and honest heart that Jesus talks about when he tells the parable of the sower. The good and the honest heart. That's, I'm going to deal, I'm going to have these relational conversations. I'm going to have these hard conversations. Yes, I'll probably err. I'll probably, I'll, sometimes I'll be this way or that way. But I'm going to work it out and we'll work it out with them. And I will follow the way that God tells me that I will confess when I'm wrong, I will offer forgiveness when another asks for, and I will offer forgiveness even when they don't ask for it. I will live a forgiving, generous life. I will live an honest life. You make those commitments. I'm not, I'm not saying that praying regularly, going to church, or giving regularly aren't important. Those are incredibly important, but they're only important in the context of a good and honest heart. If you don't have a good and honest heart relationally with yourself, with others before God, if you don't have that, then the things you are doing to earn God's favor is no different than what the Pharisees did. Well, I do this, and I do this, and I do this. And Jesus said to them, if I can translate Jesus' words. It means nothing. It means nothing to God. It means nothing to God if there's not honesty in your heart with God, with others, before God. There's not, Seemed like what Jesus was obsessed with, as well as God in the Old Testament, as God in the New Testament is, he wants people who are honest and will say whatever God says. If God calls it sin, then we call it sin. If I was harsh with my kids yesterday, which I was, I should call that harshness, not I'm having a bad day. I mean, Dan and I were talking recently about, and Dan brought this up. He said, you know, it seemed like a lot of people... People make mistakes, but none of us sees of, of sinning. All our sins are just, I could say, well, it was just a mistake yesterday. I kind of responded in a, in a way that I shouldn't have. Well, but it was hurtful to my kids. I responded to my wife in hurtful ways. She responds to me in hurtful ways. I respond to my mom in hurtful ways. She responds to me in hurtful We do. That's what part of our growing is. How do we push past that hurt? How do we understand that? How do we forgive? So again, I'll just... I'll, I'll end with my challenge to take a step this week in honesty in your relationship with others before God or even your honesty with God. And maybe for some of us it starts with honesty with yourself. Like I really need to be honest with myself in this issue because I don't know why I do that. So if you've tried all the other checkmark things of the Christian life and it doesn't seem to be working in the way that you were told, like you're somebody false advertisement or whatever. Um, Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know any of my anxious, unsettling thoughts, what's going on. And God, see if there be any and offensive way in me. God, what in me is not the way I know you want me to be and I want to be? And then lead me in the way everlasting. He wasn't just talking, the psalmist isn't just talking about everlasting life like after you die. He was talking about lead me in the kind of life that I've always dreamed I could have, never thought I would have because I didn't think I could ever get there. It's alive, awake, and free. That's the everlasting life when the Bible talks about that. 
You want to live that kind of life, it starts with Psalm 139. Search me, O God, know my heart. Is there something I should be talking about with this person, that person, this person, that person? Now, you know, don't, don't make a list and have 25 hard conversations this week. You'd probably emotionally collapse. But there may be one or two that God puts on your mind that maybe you need to offer forgiveness to someone that you've with, been withholding. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe you've been withholding from your spouse and it's a form of unforgiveness on your part. Or maybe you've been withholding the truth and it's a function of deception on your part. And you know your marriage will never be, your friendships, your relationships will never be what they could be as long as you're withholding truth or mercy or forgiveness. It won't be. So take the honest challenge, I'll call it, the good and honest heart challenge this week and uh, see if God doesn't kick into and catalyze uh, a healing process that you will be so, so very glad, joyful, and um, elated that God sends you on. So let's pray. Jesus, we are... um, We want to be the kind of people that you talked about, that have a good and honest heart, that live a life, Psalm 139, open before you, and the ceiling's off, that there's nothing you don't see, and there's nothing that we're ashamed to have others see, because we know uh, that you love us anyway, and that the Lord, you, the Lord of heaven's armies, is with us. You don't leave us. You don't reject us. You don't condemn us. You only want our honesty with you so you can heal us. So would you, uh, the Holy Spirit, would your Holy Spirit prompt, poke, remind, whatever you need to do, Holy Spirit, to, um, to challenge us to be those kind of alive, awake, and free people in that kind of a church um, Or we can, as Amy said, know and be known, not just by you, but by others. And that's the way you've created us to live in that kind of life-giving community. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, We finish with...